I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's go. I want to start with how are you? I'm just excited. I'm getting ready to go home for like two weeks, which two weeks. Yeah, it's that's like a very long time to be away from work, but it'll be time that I'm going to be spent kind of immersed back home with my family. So I'm actually really looking forward to it. I will be at Grady Hospital through Christmas. I have the privilege of caring for our patients at Grady over the holidays. Um, I'll be ducking and dodging carbohydrates at every nurse's station. Yes. Shout out to the the healthcare workers who are holding it down over the holidays. That's the only reason I'm able to go home. It's because there is a wonderful physician who is covering the clinic for those of us who are leaving. So, yeah, you know what? <clears throat> My kids are older now and, um, you know, we're, we are asked to, to, to say that we would be willing to work one holiday, pick the one that you would you know, if if it shakes out that you have to work one that you'd work. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to come and directly ask for Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, you know, my kids are going to probably wake up at like one o'clock on Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> they sent me web- website links to the stuff they wanted. It ain't a surprise. They're going to be knocked out. So, I mean, I probably could go to work round you know, write out my notes and and it'll just be like rubbing, you know, crust out of their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. So let me ask you a question. What is one of your favorite holiday memories? It's funny you should ask. I didn't know this question was coming, but I know what thought comes to mind because I've reflected on this before. I think it was actually at Christmas. I don't remember how old I was. I want to say maybe like fifth or sixth grade. And depending on the year, like, you know, financially things were either like, okay, or they were pretty tight. And this was a year that the finances were pretty tight. And I remember my mom like sitting me down and just like, Hey, like Christmas was going to be pretty low key, which was code for like, you, you know, you're not getting a whole bunch, like just set your expectations, which was fine. Actually. I told my mom, just like, you know, if, if anything, I just want, you know, some, some drawing supplies, like a few things to draw with. And, and so I didn't really think much of it, but my mom went out and got like these two like drawing books and these like really cool pencils and like charcoal. And I remember like, she put so much thought into like wrapping the gift and, um, you know, it was really like, I think that was the only gift that I got that year. And it was like, I don't know, it was just like, it was like, it was just so special because she mm. was just like, you're, you know, this one thing, but she like put so much care into like making it so beautiful for me. And I remember using like every page in that sketchbook and, um, 
yeah, I think that was like one of the, the happiest Christmases I recall just because I knew that she did the best that she could and it just made me really happy. That's why you're so selfless now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what I want, I, I'm, I had a lot of really great Christmases, I have to say. Um, but something that really stands out to me uh, is something that actually my husband told me. He told me one day that the best Christmas he ever had was when he was, um, I think, in the fourth grade or, or something like that. He said that school was about to start in the fourth grade or it was the fifth grade. Might have been the fifth grade. Either way, he was young. He wanted some new clothes for school and some new shoes and um, money was very tight. And his mom said, look, you know, your brother has perfectly good stuff. You know, we can, we can take, we can pass down his stuff to you. Um, he didn't get anything new that year. And he was like, you know what? I, I That's never going to happen to me again. So he asked for one thing for Christmas. And that one thing was a snowblower that mm -hmm. he could put on his back and blow snow with. This is when he was in elementary school. Damn. That Christmas, he got a snowblower. He got the one he wanted to. Mm. So he tells the story and it was like one day in front of my whole family when he was telling this story and we were all like, what the heck? So my dad asks him, what did you, so what did you do with, with the, um, you blew snow and you, you went out and bought you some clothes, huh? And he was like, no, I bought a lawnmower. So then up until he was old enough to go and get a real job, he blew snow and mowed lawns, like depending on the season. He said his first day of school that next year, he was sugar daddy sharp. He, said <laughs> he, he had everything. He said, I had polos. I had Lacoste shirts. I had the new Nikes. I had, you know, Sergio Valente jeans. I had all the things. Um, and it's interesting because he is a person who is always like just taking care of himself. Mm -hmm. And he said he feels like that year was like a turning point year for him where he he really decided like, you know what? I, like, I may not be the smartest person in the room, but I, you cannot outwork me. And mm -hmm. that is true. Like, you cannot outwork Harry. I mean, I will never bet against him. And when mm -hmm. he told me that story, I was like, this explains so much about you because he's still mm -hmm. that way. He's still that way. He plays the long game. Of course, of course, you bought a lawnmower at nine and a half. <laughs> Who does that? Who buys a lawnmower at nine and a half? Who asks for a snowblower at nine and a half? Harry mm. does. Yeah, it'd be incredible. Well, sister, we can talk about our holidays for the longest. <laughs> but you know what? That's not what the people came for. Be sure. People, oh, yeah. No, no, no. One, I think the people came for your hair, which if they could see it, they would be really, really delighted. It is like Mahalia is doing her thing. She is yeah. just like holiday fresh. Jules and I would like to know what is the what? Ooh. You thought you had more time. You didn't. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I am like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you thought I was going to drum roll, please. I know. Dang. I know. Okay. I saw you. I, I saw that. I like to keep you guessing. Oh man. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> the what is perspective. Perspective. Okay. Perspective. Uh, yeah. Right. And 
you know, maybe we've used that one before. Uh, I, but as you tell me every time I say that, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is our license and our business to mm -hmm. use whatever word, however many times we want. Yeah. Well, yes. just to remind the folks, you know, we do this on the fly. So that is what I just came up with as the mm -hmm. story that I am about to tell you for, for the first mm -hmm. time. And I have no idea what she's going to tell me, y'all. No, no clue. Great. Neither do I. So <laughs> let's see how this goes. So what's been on my mind um, recently is a patient of mine who I met a couple weeks ago at my VA clinic, which is in downtown San Francisco. There was something I, I learned or at least thought differently about, or I guess I should say, like switch my perspective up a little bit when I met um, when I met this gentleman. So he came into clinic for the first time, um, like I said, a few weeks ago, probably back in November. It was actually a day that I wasn't supposed to be seeing patients. I mm -hmm. had just opened a couple slots because I had some medical students who are rotating through and I actually opened those slots so that they could see patients and then that I could, you know, do some teaching on the side. And so this was someone who was kind of scheduled into one of those spaces kind of at the last minute. Sometimes our call center will schedule patients, you know, just based on where they see an opening. And so this was someone who was new to our clinic, someone that I did not know personally. And so I just did a, like a little quick chart review and I saw a couple of behavioral alerts pop up. Mm -hmm. That can mean a number of different things, but it seems like, you know, typically what that means is at some point in the past, there have been behavioral issues with this patient that someone felt was worth noting in their chart. So I went to go um, just eyeball this patient who was sitting um, kind of in the waiting area just to kind of see a little bit what the vibe was. And um, this was someone who looked like they were pretty transient, like literally just had all his stuff kind of piled in the chair next to him looked a little disheveled and pretty tense. He, he looked like someone who may or may not be suffering from like some, some serious mental illness. And so I actually went and just like briefly talked to him first and it became very clear to me. I was like, okay, this is someone that I don't think that first year medical students should be seeing by themselves at least. And so, and particularly because it was a new patient, I decided to see the patient myself. I took him into the clinic room and a lot of the visit was spent kind of de-escalating. He was someone who was like very angry, mm. you know, was coming in with just a lot of feelings of being dismissed, being abused, like not getting what he needed, particularly in terms of help from the VA. Um, this is someone who had shown up in San Francisco about a week prior to that visit. And, you know, one of the things that I'm proud of is a lot of our veterans make their way to San Francisco from other states and other cities because they've learned or heard through the grapevine that RVA is one that will help them provide a lot of resources and other support that might not be available to other VA systems. And a lot of times those veterans come and they get help, they get housing, they're very grateful. But every once in a while, you know, folks bring a lot of trauma in that space. And even though we try to offer help, you know, it doesn't feel like enough. And this was someone who was really upset about the fact that, you know, he didn't feel like he was getting what he needed quickly enough through the San Francisco VA, which can be triggering in and of itself, because I know that people work really, really hard to try to do the best that they can for folks. So, you know, he was really upset, but we were able to kind of redirect. And, you know, I've gotten to the point now where I'm, I would say, pretty skilled at kind of de-escalating and kind of managing, you know, folks who have a lot of like really strong emotions 
And we actually got through the visit okay. Um, one of the things that I noticed was that he had a really terrible rash, red, bumpy, dare I say, macular papular. I don't want to get, <laughs> I don't want any dermatologists to come after me. But it was a pretty angry looking rash, like all over his skin, like his face, his hands, you know, anywhere that was exposed and probably some other areas too. He'd been kind of prescribed some cream to help with either bug bites or lice or things like that. It was permethrin. And he was just like, I was given this. I don't know if it's working or not. And I'm looking at the rash and I was just like, I don't know if this is just bugs. You know, this looks a little more inflammatory. But he wasn't saying that it was like itchy or burning or anything like that. He was like, I think it might be getting better. So I was like, you know what? Come back and see me in a week. Let's take another look at it. We ended the visit. Thankfully, you know, he left feeling okay and there wasn't any major behavioral issues. I go back and look into his chart more and I see that, you know, he's had some serious conflicts with a lot of VAs, mm. like yelling, verbal abuse, things like that. Within a short time period, he's known to everybody in our clinic, particularly the social workers. So some of the social work team is coming up to me and they're just like, you better be careful. Like, you know, he assaulted someone last time. Oh, wow. You know, I'm getting a picture of a man, you know, who's poses a potential like physical risk. And, you know, and this is something that a lot of healthcare workers have to deal with weighing personal safety and protection around like, you know, building rapport with the patient. Mm -hmm. For this gentleman, there was just a deep paranoia and aggressive behavior, mm -hmm. which sometimes is a result of like repetitive trauma. Sure. And not necessarily, I mean, it's probably a mix, but, you know, a lot of it is triggered in settings where you don't feel like people are taking you seriously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I would say, particularly for veterans, when people in authority are kind of looking down on you, talking down on you, being dismissive, that was kind of the vibe that I got from him at first. But now I'm just like, okay, I think maybe this is a little more than what I interpreted before. So, you know, he comes back and I look at him and the rash is actually completely gone. Wow. And I was just like, did that cream actually work? And he was just like, no, I didn't take it because I knew it wasn't bed bugs. And I was just like, well, what, what happened? He was just like, it just went away on its own. I tried to tell people I had a rash like this before and it went away on its own. I'm asking a few more questions and then, you know, was looking more and more like this was kind of like a hypersensitivity like type of reaction. I'm not sure exactly what the trigger was. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be medication or other things. But um, that's what it was. And that was actually what he was worried about. And so we were talking through that and, you know, he's asking me some questions and he's just like, do you think this is an autoimmune disorder? Wow. And he asked you that? Yes. Wow. And I was just like, well, you know, maybe it just seems like, you know, there's something, something about your immune system that is reacting in ways that are probably overkill to whatever the issue is, whether it's in your body or outside your body. He thinks about this for a minute and then he just breaks down crying. Wow. It was, and it was a little bit of a surprise to me because this guy was just like, he was so angry and he was so stoic. Mm. And now he's crying in the office and, you know, he's making sense of this. And he was just like, I saw somebody else with a rash like mine. And I thought maybe I had taken on their rash. Mm. You know, maybe this is my way of giving back. <laughs> Maybe this is my gift. 
And as he's talking through this, he was just like, you know, I need so much from people. I'm always depending on people. Like I need so much stuff to stay afloat, but you don't know what it means to not be able to give back. It was like perspective shifting to me in terms of like what his source of suffering was. Because we see folks with a lot of material poverty, especially in the clinic that I'm at, and particularly for this veteran who was just so ownery and like angry about the stuff that he wasn't getting. But as core, he was really like sad about the fact that he couldn't, that he didn't have anything to give. Wow. You know, the way he was thinking about his autoimmune illness was like him taking on a burden from somebody else. Got you, got you. Um, and of course, like, you know, that, that doesn't make much biological sense, but it was the, what he needed to kind of feel okay. Okay. Within himself at that given time. And it wasn't anything that I kind of tried to course correct for him at that time. Right. right. The reason I bring this up and just, you know, like I said, why it was kind of perspective shifting for me is just what we deprive people of when folks are living in ways that don't allow them to live in a way that's self-directed and, and having the material resources to get by, but also to be able to give. And that in and of itself is, is, is a human need. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, particularly when I think about the holidays and how I often will push back when, you know, people are trying to give me stuff that I don't really need. Mm-hmm. There is, there is a gift in being able to give, you know, that was something that my patient reminded me of. Mm. I love that. Have you ever heard of that book, The Five Love Languages? I've heard of The Love Languages. I don't think I've read the book yet. So it's it's actually based on a book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a short read. I forgot the guy's name who wrote it. It's Gary Chapman, I think. I think that's his name. The Five Love Languages, one of the love languages is receiving gifts, which is so interesting um, because I, I always feel like another love language should be giving gifts. Yeah. You know, because there's, Mm -hmm. there's words of affirmation, there's physical touch, there's quality time, there's receiving gifts and there's acts of service. Those are the five love languages. It seems like there needs to be a sixth one, which is giving gifts. Mm. Um, Although uh, in a conversation I have with somebody about this, they said that those who give, who like to give gifts are usually people who like words of affirmation. Interesting. It leads to words of affirmation, but I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Um, Cause the giving thing, and I, and I say all this to say not to go on a tangent, but more to say um, I, I am actually married to somebody who, who really likes to give gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I've come to understand that me gladly taking the gift and appreciating the gift and the thought that went into it is, it is, is a gift to, to him. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I need to receive it, you yeah. know, and unfortunately it's not like stupidly indulgent or anything, <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, just like probably what it meant to your mom that she put all that thought into that present for you mm-hmm. and um, you were able to receive it as intended, like oh, you are so special. This is what you wanted. I want to show you how much thought I put into this. Um, I, I do think that there is something like in us, um, but some people got an extra helping of it, mm-hmm. of this need to be able to give something to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it is something concrete, like a gift. 
but sometimes it is just like a talent that we give the world. And I think it, I mean, even something like us making a podcast and creating yeah. something, right? Um, I mean, you know, you sure, sure you want people to listen to it, but mm-hmm. it, it is really an offering. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 So I, I I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying. I don't know about a rash as your as your <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah. about that. You know what, brother, do what you do. Exactly. I think that's what I took away as well. It was just like, you know, however you're interpreting this, however kind of, you know, fantastical it may be, I, I understand like what you need in this moment just to feel like you're giving something back. Yeah. And um and I love I love how you kind of contextualize that in in these in you know, the way we think about this podcast, because yes, like you know, I love seeing the likes. I love reading the reviews. I love, you know, the invitations to to speak and do more. But, you know, at the end of the day, like if there were no accolades, I'm still really proud and happy of what we put out into the world. Right. It's something that feels meaningful um, and it feels good just to give. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. And I, and I also get how if you don't do or receive or get the chance to partake in the thing that is your love language, mm-hmm. um, how it could cause you pain yeah, and, and could throw everything off. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause just imagine like if everywhere you went, you felt patronized and like people weren't listening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, of course you would act out. Of course you would be clowning everywhere, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, I, you know, I'm um I'm working on a geriatric um centered team this month on mm-hmm. inpatient. And um I have this patient that like every time I see her, we'll be talking and somewhere in the conversation she'll just start crying. Um, sometimes tears of joy, sometimes just tears she can't put her finger on. But you know, she was just telling me about how like when you get older, um people like start talking to you like a child again and and um, nobody gives you sort of, um, and this isn't her words, these are my words, but nobody's giving you like their sustained attention, like as a whole adult, mm-hmm. they're listening to you like you're cute or like um, in these ways that are just extremely patronizing. Mm-hmm. And she told me that um, she thinks that the reason why she keeps crying when we're talking is that the way that I'm talking to her and the like the attention that I'm giving to her. And I will say, you know, shout out to UCSF's uh, Louise Aronson. Oh yeah. <laughs> because elderhood is actually the book that completely transformed the way I talk to mm-hmm. my, my aging patients. I'm like, oh my gosh, me talking to people like they're cute and they're like, oh my gosh, dear. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that robs you of your ability to give. Mm-hmm. Right. It, because it acts like you are a kid right how painful is that you have nothing to offer in the way of of personhood or conversation yeah yeah Mm. Mm. yeah child lots that you on yeah yeah gifts Mm -hmm. giving gifts receiving gifts getting a snowblower so that you can buy your own damn gifts (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, working in the hospital over Christmas. Yep. 
or, you know, taking two weeks off to uh, come make drinks for your family. <laughs> and yeah. And you better have what you need to make. Exactly. No, I already put in the order today. <laughs> so total wine will be delivering tomorrow. Well, sis, you know, it's, it's the end of the year. Um, the, the holiday season will, will, will come and it'll quickly go, but what stands true now and will continue is the depth of gratitude that I have for for you, for us, for this podcast, for our listeners. Um, well, I can speak for myself, like, you know, for example, in this episode where I come on having no idea what I'm trying to say and <laughs> telling you a story and being enriched by both your attention, also your perspective and being able to think a little differently about things, particularly what it means to, to love others well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm just so, I'm so grateful for the way that you love me and um, how you give to my spirits. Well, you, you are, um, you, I mean, you know, again, it is, it is a gift that keeps on giving. Um, and we've kind of talked about this before, but opening yourself up to receive new people, to receive love, to give love, to, um, redefine what love looks like for you and for different people. And, you know, uh, um, regardless of what you believe, you know, one of my favorite sayings is uh, something one of the Grady elders said to me once, which is just God be knowing, mm -hmm. you know, God be knowing what you need. <laughs> you know? yeah. And um, I, I always think of our meeting as one of those, you know, God be knowing things, mm -hmm. you know, like we, we both needed this uh, at the same time. And y'all, you know, you all hear a lot of our interactions, but I mean, it, it, it is it is so much deeper than um, people even realize. And I think, you know, one of the things I will maybe charge some of our listeners to do is, um, you know, where where can you um, go deeper in the meaning and the connection um, in some of your relationships? Sure. You know. It's fine to have your old friends. You should have old friends. Um, but where, what doors um, do you, and walls do you have up that are stopping you from allowing your life to be enriched? Is somebody trying to give you a gift that you you will not let them give you? Mm. And why? Why is that? Yeah, because you could be missing out on something you need, right? Well, um, I love you dearly and um, I hope that you sleep in a little bit on Christmas morning because I can't. <laughs> yes. Well, I will be thinking of you. And again, thank you for, for taking up the baton um, to give a restorative rest to those of us who have the, the holiday off. That's right. Yeah. I don't feel too sorry for me because as soon as I get off the hospital service, I will be going to Mexico. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. No, you don't, 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 yeah, don't put that one in the end. Yes. Yeah, so we just going to go in and lay that down right there because I do know how to work, but I, I know how to play. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, we'll see you in 2024. Have a good holiday season. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname, for the beats. 
Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our Med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla. Holla.